No sorrows there, no burdens to bear, no sickness, Willie May. No pain. No parting over there. And forever, 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 I will be with the one who gave his life, who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. We are not preaching the gospel so that we may go see our loved ones. We are preaching the gospel that people may turn from sin and repent by faith in the true and living God and that they would be able to walk with Jesus Christ in glory one day. Seeing our family is just going to be a plus. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to lay this out because, like I said, it's a big narrative. And with that being said, you kind of have to change gears. They kind of grind down to a halt, and then we're going to pick back up. We've been in different books where I've been able to teach verse by verse, where there's not been a narrative. Uh, Now we're going to be in this huge story where Simon Peter and John are preaching. So I'm going to give you some highlights here over this story, and then we're going to read through it and just let the Lord Thank you so much. Got my mason jar full of water. By the way, I just want to say I'm thankful for those that were able to come today. It's a blessing to see people that I've not seen in a while. Your faces. Your faces. It's a blessing. So, Acts chapter 3. Big story, big narrative, and we're going to give you some, I'm going to give you some main points here that I want you to consider as I go through this. This is Peter's second sermon, and it came about because of the healing of the man that sat at the beautiful gate. If you recall, in chapter 2, or I'm I'm sorry, the beginning of chapter 3, you remember that there was a man lame from birth for 40 years that sat at the beautiful gate. Peter and John came and they healed him. So a platform was given to Peter and John then. Once they healed this man, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we understand that. But a platform was given to present Christ Jesus to those that were there. To those that were there. To the people. Peter stands before over. Because in chapter 4 it says around 5,000 people, over 5,000 people. Or it might say 5,000 were saved, um, or it came to, be, came to about 5,000. So it says many of them were saved that heard this. So we can gather from that that there was a multitude of people, way more than just 5,000 there. So Christ gave him a platform and an opportunity to share the gospel through the miracle that had been worked. They came in, they see the miracle, the people gather around. Men, devout Jews, remember, they're still in Jerusalem. And here we have Simon Peter and John fixing to stand up before all of these men. And they're going to charge them with something. They're going to pronounce them guilty. Now let me tell you something. These two men, 
given the opportunity. The first thing that they do, these two men, given the opportunity, the first thing that they do is they charge the people as being guilty. Not a real favorable start off, is it? But you got to remember that the Lord didn't call, He didn't call those to stand before people to not get rough. He called them to bring the gospel. So here Peter and John are, and they have an opportunity of a lifetime given to them by the Holy Spirit, no doubt, and they are standing before literally thousands of people. Do you think they're going to tell them that, well, you just need to live a little bit better? You think they're going to tell them, well, you just need to tithe a little bit more? No. See, that's not how the Scripture works. Peter and John, the first thing that you're going to see is they're going to charge them with the murder and death of Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's harsh. That is harsh, man. And you say, Pastor, I just don't like that tone. I I don't like the way that message is. It, It... that holds no weight on whether, you know, it's, it's, it's still what it is. And what it is is that they were charged with the death of Christ. The second thing that you're going to see is Peter and John is then going to move on from that to show them their true character. He's going to show them who they naturally are. He is going to show them how depraved they truly are. You say, well, man, I've heard all of this before. You've preached it to me. Praise God. If you know it, then praise God. Tell somebody about it. So he's going to show them their true character outside of grace. Is what he's going to do. The second thing he's going to do. Then the third thing he's going to do, Peter John's going to testify. They're going to testify to the true way of life. The true way of life. And then the fourth thing that's going to take place is Peter uses the Old Testament to solidify his preaching. And then they're going to be arrested. Remember Jesus told them before that they would be drugged before the the chief priests and the different ones and they would be judged and they would be arrested and they would be persecuted. Well, it hadn't been no more than Christ had died and the Spirit had come and here we are. We ain't very far into this thing. And now they're already, in the second sermon that Peter preaches, they are already fixed to be thrown into jail. Already fixed to be thrown into jail. So keep those things in mind as we go, and I'll, and I'll bring them back up. But it's, it's different from going to, from expounding verse by verse to a narrative to show this big thing. So listen to what it says in the beginning of verse 11. It says, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. You notice that he clung to them. This man that had been healed clung to Peter and John. They knew where that source of life had, he knew where that source of life had come from. He knew where something good came from. So he, he wanted to stay with Peter and John. No doubt. No doubt if, if somebody had just healed you, you would want to stay with them too. I mean, you see this all the way through the New Testament with Jesus and even the wild Gadarean. He healed him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. 
After the tempest storm, it was, it was going crazy. And he settled the storm and he goes over and he heals the man. And the man's uh, clothed and in his right mind. And he says, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, you have to stay here. Well, here we have this man, and he wants to stay with Peter and John. Becomes their little shadow. And I don't much blame him. He was lame from his birth, and now he's going to stick around for a little while. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. The people gathered, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. He says, guys... Why do you stare at us? A miracle has been performed, but it has, been, it has not been performed by me and, and John. It has been performed by the Lord Jesus. And so this gives them the platform to present Christ Jesus to the people. Remember, all glory and honor is deflected from them instantly and points straight to the cross. Points straight to Jesus Christ every time. And this is what we're to be doing. We're to be reflecting that light of Christ. It's not unto us, not unto us, but to his name be the glory, be the power, be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It is to him, not to us. And so through this book of Acts, we see that that glory and honor is deflected and turned back from the apostles straight to Jesus every time. It always points straight to Christ. That's what we got to get from this. Listen to what he says. He says, we didn't do this by our own strength. We didn't do this by our own piety. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. The Lord did it through us. Verse 13. Listen to what he says. Remember who he's talking to, to the Jewish people. He's talking to Jews. And so when he begins to speak here, the Holy Spirit definitely guiding him. When he begins to speak, he is speaking to Jews. And so what does he do? He uses their lineage. I love this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's saying, your forefathers, the God of your forefathers. Peter's saying, the God of your forefathers. Listen to what I'm telling you is what he's saying. Now, they knew exactly who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. Knew exactly who they were. That's what it says. The God of our, forefather, or of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. How did he glorify his servant Jesus? By raising him from the dead. He glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Here we have the first thing that we have is, what did I tell you? He charged them with the death of Christ. Listen to what it says. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. So what's the first thing that he tells them? He charges them with delivering over Jesus Christ and denying him. This is what he charges them with. But it gets a little bit more than that because the second thing, it just gets worse. He charges them and then he shows them their true character. And this is the heartbreaking moment. This is the the pierced moment that comes in and I pray that someone's heart today would be pierced. Listen to what it says. I love this. It says that they, they delivered and they denied. And they did it in the presence of Pilate 
when he had decided to release him. The second thing that I want you to see is he, he must show them their true character outside of grace. Verse 14, But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You denied and you delivered and denied him and you asked for a murderer rather than the holy and the righteous one. And the second point that I have is he must show them their true character outside of grace. And folks, outside of grace, our true character, without a doubt, 110% of the time, is we will always choose Barabbas. Always. You say, I would never choose that murderer. Yes, you would. You were there. You nailed him to the cross. It was your sins that put him there. Mine too. We have to understand that our true character outside of grace is that we will always choose the bad. Barabbas. The murderer. Barabbas. The filthy. Barabbas, the wicked. There's a contrast here between the wicked and the righteous. You see that the holy one and the righteous one was what? Rejected. But the wicked was chosen. Because he was showing them their true character outside of grace. He charged them with the death of Christ in the second sermon, much like the first. Then he shows them their true character, much like the first sermon. And then the third thing we're going to see is we're going to go down. And there is a ladybug. Y'all know how my brain is. Watch out. Ladybug right on my pulpit, right on chapter 4. Sorry. Y'all know how my brain goes out there in left field. Casey tells me I need to go to the doctor. Because, but keep going. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're Barabbas is where I was at. <laughs> All right, so that's true character. Let's go to 15. And you killed the author of life. And now in the King James and in the NASB even, this is uh, the word author there. You're going to see the word prince in your Bibles. The prince in the Greek translates out as literally author of life. This is one reason why I like the ESV. is because... In the original language, it is author instead of prince. And so if you have a pen, you want to write that down because it's a, it's a big deal. Yes, he's the prince of life, but he's also the author of it. He is the author of life. That's the original meaning. The author. What does that mean? The beginning of it. He's the alpha and the omega of life. Not only did he create all things, but in life, in him, all things exi- exist. Yes. He is the author of life. He is the awful author of natural life, but he is also the author of eternal and spiritual life. Amen. New life, a new creation. This is Jesus. So the author of life. Whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Here's where he deflects power and glory away from them and he puts it to Christ. He says Christ is the author of life. He is the prince of life. He is the one that we can attribute this 
power in this miracle too. Verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets. Listen to me. He says you acted in ignorance and your rulers did too. But God foretold this by the mouth of all the prophets. When Peter says all the prophets, does he mean some of them or all of them? So the main point of the Bible is what? Jesus. From Moses to Samuel, all the way through, it is Christ. You hear me say that a lot, but I can't help but to testify of it. Please listen. Don't turn that, don't, don't, don't turn that channel. Don't turn that ear off. Listen to me. Since the beginning of time, we're going to see later on, when he says Moses, he goes all the way back to Genesis. As the author of that book. And he says from there until now. The prophets have been saying this. Saying what? Listen to what it says. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets. That his Christ would suffer. He thus fulfilled. What did the mouth of all the prophets say? I'll tell you what it said, that the the seed of the woman would be bruised. All the way through. From Genesis until the time that they're in now. The prophets all testified to the same story. And if they all have the same story, wouldn't you think that that story just might be real? They all testified to the same author of life. That is not a coincidence. The numbers for all of those prophets to line up perfectly is not even realistic. It's not even a realistic number. I mean, we've went over that before. The, the zeros, there's so many zeros you can't hardly count them. But yet, they all preached that Christ would suffer. And in fact, He did. Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled it. Listen to what it says. Here's the third thing. So he charged them with the death of Christ. He must show them their true character outside of grace. And now Peter testifies to the true way of life. Listen to what verse 19 says. Repent, therefore. He sounds like a broken record. Wait a second. Maybe all of the prophets in the Old Testament sounded like a broken record. Maybe the New Testament preachers and apostles and the disciples all sounded like a broken record. Or maybe that's what, maybe, maybe they were continuing to preach the same message throughout the same Word of God all the way through. Is that what's going on here in our text? Yes! God's Word, 66 books, this is what it's about. I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times from this pulpit. All the prophets testified. All the preachers testified. All the ones that knew God testified to this, that Christ would suffer. And in fact, He did. And they didn't leave out the most important part. Repent the good news. 
They didn't leave them down in the dust and in the dirt where they deserve to be because we all deserve to be down there with Barabbas, who we have chosen by nature. They didn't leave them down there. No, they gave them a way out of that. Once they realized they were pricked in the heart, he then comes in in verse 19 and he shows them the way of life, the true way. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Repent and turn. We do that by faith. That your sins may be blotted out. I think people live a a very, very defeated life these days because they don't realize that their sins have been blotted out. Those that have trusted in Christ by faith. They They forget that their sins have been blotted out. That they have been justified just as if those sins never occurred. Those sins have been blotted out. They have been purged and they have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And they live a life defeated. Dwelling on things that's in the past. But the scripture teaches us right here, before I get off topic, listen to what it says. That your sins may be blotted out. That you may be saved. Redemption is what he's talking about. Redemption by this suffering Christ that was fulfilled. Redemption. That we can have that. The sin of the heart, choosing Barabbas, choosing the worst of the worst, outside of grace will always be. But you can have righteousness in Jesus. It doesn't matter how bad of a sin that you have created in your own mind or that you have played out in your own life. It does not matter. Jesus died for that. He can wash that clean. If you are tripping over something that you have done, understand that the blood of Jesus can wash that clean. He died for you. Simply repent and turn to Him by faith. Oh, to have our sins blotted out. (laughs) The older I get, the more that I see in my own nature where I am sinful. The more that is brought out to me. And the more I realize just how precious the blood of Jesus is. Just how precious that blotting out truly is. It is precious to me. To know that my sins have been blotted out. What does to blot mean? Anybody tell me? Yeah. It's kind of all of the above. To cover up, to do away with, erase. It's the, it's, yeah, it's, it's the blot out. They're no, they're no longer there. 20. We don't have the, exactly what he said here as in chapter 2. When he told them to repent and be baptized. We don't have the same wordage used. Because he doesn't have to. He doesn't, he doesn't mention baptism here. Because he doesn't have to. He's already mentioned it before. Now does he mention it? I'm sure that he did. Because you see later where 5,000 were added to the church. 
But what is his message? His message stays the same. His message continues to flow the same. It is what? Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And here comes the Holy Spirit that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter chapter 2. The time of refreshing came for them. Straight from the presence of the Lord, it flowed down, it poured out upon them. And this is what we have fixing to take place in our text over when we get into chapter 4. That the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Not talking about the second coming. Peter is preaching here about salvation. 21, whom heaven must receive until the time for, the, for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Now he's going to solidify his argument. He's going to solidify his sermon with history. He's going to use the Old Testament to do so. And I'm thankful that we have it. Verse 22, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. That's one of the prophecies. But he begins with Moses. And 23, And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. You see how Moses Moses goes in with a charge too? He says, one will be raised up, but if you don't listen to him, you'll be destroyed. You'll be cut off. Amen. It's no different today. One has already come. He has been raised up. He has been exalted for all to look into. John 3, 16 tells us that. Or 14 and 15 tells us that. He has been exalted for all to look to. He's been exalted for all of us to trust in. But if we do not, what happens? Well, Moses tells us right here. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Be cut off. Cast away. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. What days? The ones that he was standing in right then while he was preaching. Verse 25, he goes back, to their, goes back to their roots and he tells them who they are. You are the sons of the prophets. He says, you have the privilege of hearing this first. You have the privilege of taking part because you're Jew by nature. You have the privilege of taking part in this first before it goes out into the Gentiles. He says, listen, listen to me, listen to what it says. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's Genesis chapter 22. And here, Peter says, you have an ability, you have You can take part in what I'm talking about. This is for you, Jews. This is for you. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
Verse 26, God having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first. He says, Jesus Christ came as a servant and He was sent to you first. And here Peter is preaching to them, showing them that the gospel has come to them first. And what's it for? I love this. Listen to what it says. To bless you. The good news of Jesus Christ is good. To bless you. Do you see that? Having God having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you. But that comes at a cost. And the cost is by turning away from wickedness. Plain and simple. To bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. What a blessing. Jesus Christ came as a servant. As a blessing. So that we would not choose Barabbas. You understand what I'm telling you? So that we would fall in line with Him and submit to Him. And it's only through Him that that can take place. And let me, let me move just a little bit past that because here the religious people show up and I pray, that, I pray that we don't let religion get in the way of truly serving Christ. Because religious people and religion will get in the way of that. Y'all know that, right? It can be exalted and become a God, right? We know it. So the religious people show up. And exactly what Jesus told his disciples is fixing to be played out right before their eyes. Peter and John are going to be experiencing this for the first time. Listen to what happens. Chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, I'm talking this was the big wig, the captain of the temple, the priests, and the Sadducees, the ones that did not believe in the resurrection, they, were, they had a, a burr under their saddle because they were preaching about the resurrection and they didn't want to hear that because they didn't believe that. Came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse 3, And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. So here they are arrested by the religious. Verse 4. And here this happens. And I love this. I love the placement of verse 4 too. Because it it doesn't happen before this verse 4. Before their arresting uh, time. It doesn't happen before that. But it happens after. Or we see it after. In other words in the text. Listen to what it says. But many of those. Many. I would say 5,000 is many. That's a lot. But it's, it's using that as if it's a small number, but many of those, but many of them, who had heard the word, they heard it, they believed it. They heard it, they heard it with their heart. They heard it with their ears. They heard it with their heart. It resonated in their heart. And what happened? By faith, 
They believed the word. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. Peter and John are in jail. So let me, let me explain to you what was taking place and I'm done. The Holy Spirit was working. The Holy Spirit was moving. They preached the gospel. The seeds were sown. And by the next day, 5,000 people were saved. They're in glory today, by the way. We're going to be with them one day, by the way. Also, the religious that were there, they never even mention it. They never mention the 5,000. They never mention anything else. Only the miracle. And we're going to talk about that the next time and why. But guys, this morning, it, you know, the, the truth is the truth. And that is repent, turn back by faith, sins blotted out. Time of refreshing. This is all, this is, this is the truth of God's word. And it's, it's right here in the infancy of the New Testament church. You see this. Peter and John don't hold anything back. They go in there and they lamb blast them. They cut them deep all the way to the heart and then they give them the balm of Gilead, which is Christ Jesus. And they say, now this is what we're to apply. And I tell you the same today. If your heart's been cut deep by understanding that, that you are Barabbas or that you would choose Barabbas, that wicked murderer over Christ, if you've been cut deep, and that change has taken place in your heart and you, you know that you're a sinner. The Scripture teaches us clearly to repent and to, and to turn from that wickedness. And by faith, trust in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that He will come and send His Spirit to take up residency with us. To lead us and to guide us and to continually restore us and to refresh us. This is what the Bible teaches This is what Peter and John proclaimed from the rooftops. And 5,000 were saved on that day. And so I pray today that you would listen. I pray that you would examine. I pray that you would hear the words that's been spoken. Not mine. But what came from Christ. I pray that you would listen to that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.